Assalamu alaikum everybody and a very warm welcome back to another 60 steps bonus. This is a little series that we do on Sundays here on the YouTube channel where I just answer questions that students on the Arabic in 60 steps program have sent to this phone and I thought it'd be worth doing a bonus video just to answer some of those questions. So in step nine, I believe of the program, we cover something called hollow verbs. Um, so I thought I would expand on them a little bit more here because that, that, that's kind of one of the places where students have a little bit of a hiccup there. So I thought I'd just do a little bonus resource here to kind of glide you over it a little bit so you don't lose your momentum. So what is a hollow verb? I mean, generally the structure of the verbs that we've seen so far in the program, they look a little bit like this. Right, they're generally made up of three consonants, right? And they're generally fatha, 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 a, a, a. But some of them are alima or fahima, right? But generally they are three consonants, right? A ka, ta, and a ba. But then when we come to hollow verbs in step nine, we come across verbs that are like fa'la, right? That's kind of the, that, that, that's the pattern of them. So we have examples of that, like the verb to visit, zara, or the verb to say, qala, or the verb to sell, ba'a, or the verb to sleep, nama, or the verb to, um, the verb to kind of make repentance or to repent, taba, right? We come across lots of these verbs. And of course, a very, very important verb, kana, as well. You know, it's, it's, it's such an important lesson, actually, because, you know, the two by far most mentioned verbs in the entire Qur'an, qala and kana, together they're probably mentioned 3,000 plus times in the Qur'an. They're both hollow verbs, right? So it's very important. And the step, excuse me, that comes after it in step 10 is about kana specifically and, and the sisters of kana. So, um, so we deliberately plan it like that so you're well prepared for that lesson that comes after. So how do we treat these verbs, right? Because we tend to learn kind of patterns of how we conjugate these verbs normally, right? We learn keteba, past tense, yektubu, present tense. Qara'a, past tense, yakara'u, present tense. Jalasa, past tense, yajlisu, present tense. So when we come across a verb that doesn't have this consonant in the middle, uh, there's a bit of friction for some of the students sometimes. So let's look at some examples and uh, talk about how to deal with them. So let's take an example of a hollow verb, right? Let's take the verb zara, zara, to visit. Um, when you have a hollow verb like this, right, usually that elif is a disguise for something, right? We see the verbs like this in the past tense, always with an elif in the middle, right? But that elif is a, it's not actually one of the root letters, right? In the Arabic language, elif cannot be a root letter. Hamza can be, but elif itself cannot be a root letter, okay? So that elif is a disguise for something, okay? And you have to do it on a verb-by-verb -verb basis to understand and to just memorize which verb is conjugated in which way, right? It just so happens that with the verb zara, the elif is a disguise for the letter wow, right? So that's why we have in the past tense zara, in the present tense yazuru, okay? And with the verb ba'a, the elif in the middle is a disguise for a yeah. Hence, we're in the present tense, we have yabiru. And whatever that kind of, whatever that root letter is, whatever the elif was a disguise for, will tend to be the sound that we use as well when we conjugate this verb in the past tense, and we start uh, to take out the long vowel. So, for example, with the verb zara, he visited, zarat, she visited, and then it starts to get a bit complicated, right? When we start to put a sukun on the on the on the ra in the end, because Arabic doesn't want to have zarta. Right? It doesn't want to have zarta. It doesn't want to have an elif and then a letter with a sukun on it. It doesn't want to have zarta. Right? So what we end up with is that elif, rather than becoming a wow, it becomes a dhamma. So we have zurta, you visited. Zurti, you visited, if you're a woman. And then zurtu, for I visited. 
Okay, so that dhamma sound, the same, that, that wow sound, it remains the same sound, it just becomes the shorter one when you do that past conjugation. So let me demonstrate that same thing with the verb ba'a now. So we have the verb ba'a, meaning to sell something. So ba'a, he sold something. Ba'at, she sold something. But then, as I say, Arabic doesn't like to have ba'ata. You know, Arabic doesn't like that sound. Arabic doesn't like that alif. And then the last letter having a sakun on it. Ba'ata, it doesn't like that. So as ba'a is a ba'ayabiru verb, it becomes that, that elif is a disguise for a yeah, we're gonna keep that same sound but the shorter version. Okay? So we have birta, you know, for you sold something. Birti for you sold, if you're feminine. And then um or, or or okay, so not if you are feminine. If you're a man who's feminine, you don't use that. It's it's if you're if you're grammatically feminine, right? Uh, and then birtu, right, for I sold something. So that's generally the rule, right? With um, you know, with 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 all of these hollow verbs, that's generally the rule, right? The, the, the tricky bit is knowing which verbs do which, and um, and in fact, there are even some verbs that can do either, right? And they carry a different meaning with them. So, for example, an example of this is the verb qala, right? Qala we know means to say, right? Qala yaqulu means to say, but qala yaqilu means to have a nap. Right, hence the hence the word qailula, meaning like a siesta or an afternoon nap, right? But uh, but that's in the minority. There are very very few verbs that do that. There is um, another category, right? I've talked about the verbs that are like fala yafulu in their pattern, qala yaqulu. We've talked about the verbs that are fala yafilu, like for example ba'a yabiru or sara yasiru, right? But uh, there is a category of verbs that are fala yafalu. Right, a category of verbs that are like nama, meaning to sleep. So nama yanamu, right? Nama yanamu. So what is this elif? Um, what is it a? What what is it a? Uh, what is it a disguise for? What what is its real root letter? You know, if we look at the word for sleep, noam, noam, um, that would give us good reason to think that it's actually a well, right? Because the verbal noun, the mustar, is a noamun, like asleep. But um. Once you hear this a few times, you do get used to these on a verb-by-verb -verb basis. But, but nama, when we conjugate it in the past tense, nama, he slept, nermet, she slept, numtu, that doesn't sound right to me, right? I'm pretty sure it's nimta, nimti, and nimtu, right? So even though the, even though the actual root letter is, is a wow, to the best of my knowledge, um, it just so happens that in the past tense, but the, these, these kind of nama, yanamu verbs are, um, are in the minority. Right, there's very few of them. I'd say the vast majority are like zara yazuru and have a wow in the middle. The vast majority, I'd say, um, a smaller percentage have a yet in the middle, and then a very small percentage of these ones like nama, um, which which keep their elif. Something else I wanted to expand on a little bit more is um, is how we use them in the majzum, how we use them in the jezm. You know, th th this is this is kind of fast forwarding to step twelve because we cover verbs in the jussiv or the jesm, uh, we cover that in step 12. Um, I believe it's step 12 or step 11. I've, actually, on second thoughts, I think it's step 11. I could check right now, but I'm pretty sure it's step 11. Um, because I believe we do the monsoub after that. But uh, let's check just to be sure. Yeah, so it, it, it is step 11, the majzum. So for those of you who aren't on uh, the step about majzum yet, you can just leave now. Um, you can go and do something else. But those of you who either want to get a head start on, on step 11, or you are on step 11 already, then this will be really useful for you. So the term majzum itself, 
it's a case for verbs, and it's one that we haven't seen yet. You know, we've, in the program, we've already seen verb like nouns taking a fatha on the end, al kitaba, or a kasra, al kitabi, or a dhamma, al kitabu. Right, in the same way that we talk about case with those kinds of words, we have them with verbs as well. And majzum is a case that is only applicable to verbs, right? You don't get nouns that are majzum. So in the majzum, the, the, the word majzum actually means to squeeze, right? It actually means to squeeze something, or to, yeah, it means to squeeze something. And, um, and how that manifests itself with a verb is normally that we cut the sukun off. And so, for example, the verb yektubu would become yektub, right? And, what, and, and the reason why we use it is in the negative past, after the word lem, right? So he did not write lem yektub. Yektub seems like a more squeezed version of yektubu, right? That's normally how the squeezing manifests itself. Lem yektub, he didn't write. Lem akul, I didn't say, right? Bear in mind, I didn't say lem akul. I said lam aqul. So with the hollow verb, there are two ways that it does the squeezing, that we do the majzum, we do the squeezing. Okay, it's not just it's not just the it's not just the vowel on the end, okay, it's not just the, the u on the aqulu, it's also on the long vowel in the middle. So lam aqul is what we end up with, right? That long vowel u becomes a shortened version of it on the previous letter, right? So not ku but ku. Lam aqul, I did not say. Lam abir, I did not sell. Lam abirha, I did not sell it. Lam aqul velik, I didn't say that. Lam akun tabiban, I was not a doctor, right? So lam akun, right? You can see how akun is a is a very squeezed and shortened version of akunu, right? So that's how it behaves in the jesm. There are other reasons to use the jesm, and we do expand on those throughout further steps. But uh, in that lesson, we're specifically talking about the negative past. Um, you know, we go through lots of examples in 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 the worksheet as well, um, in the you know in the exercises in the workbook as well. So that is everything for this lesson. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you have any questions, please just stick them below. Or if you're actually on the program, you can just message me. Uh, that's a much more direct way for you guys on the program to get hold of me. And for those of you who are not on the program, what you're playing at? Get yourself on the program. Uh, we only have, well, I mean, as I'm recording this now, this is, I'm recording this a little bit early, um, the earlier than I'm going to release this, but we've only got 28 books left. Um, I, I may not take any more students after, I may not even order any more books in after that. But because I've started answering students' questions directly in, in this phone, I, I, I don't know how many more students I can take, because obviously I'm only one human answering the questions, right? So um, so if, if you are serious about the program, I, I really, really encourage you to... Uh, to not procrastinate and to get yourself one of these books because these are two of them that I have here and then I think behind me I have like 25 left or 26 left as well so um so if you're serious then please come and join me on the program any questions you have about it stick them in the comments below or you can just email me at arabicwithsam at gmail.com or message me on instagram or, or anywhere right I'm, I, I'm I think I'm probably one of the most approachable sort of public figure Arabic teachers in the world um just message me and I'll get back to you, inshallah. So that's everything of this video. Have a really good week, and assalamu alaikum.